We're learning more about choosing to walk in the light today on Bold Steps with Mark Job. When you become a believer, then I want you to live like a believer, walk like a believer, talk like a believer. But if you're not a believer, you know, I don't expect you to live that way. He's saying, hey, now that you are people of God, this is the expectation that we have for your lifestyle because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Bold Steps with Mark Job. Mark is president of Moody Bible Institute and the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm Wayne Shepherd. As we move forward in our study from the book of Ephesians, we're going to be turning to chapter 5 to pick up on our message titled, Choosing to Walk in the Light. Yesterday, Mark emphasized how our desires in our relationships and how we speak to one another should reflect our new identity and calling in Christ. And today, Pastor Mark will give us a recap before addressing his second point. If you've missed any of the messages in this series, catch up online when you visit us at boldstepsradio.org. But let's not delay the message any longer. With today's Bold Steps, here's Mark Job. We live in a society that by and large accepts the, the culture of friends with benefits. More and more, if you go to a college campus today, if you go down to UIC, if you go down to Northwestern, every college campus, it's pretty much the one-night stands, the sexual favors, pretty much accepted practice ingrained in the mainstream of our culture at a college level, at a high school level, and unfortunately now more and more at a junior high level. It's the culture. It's accepted. Now... Well, Paul, Paul understood that, and he's not talking to, it's not like our society is much different than the society that Paul was talking to. Paul was talking to the Ephesians. In Ephesus, there was a big temple to Diana, the god of fertility. Part of the practice of the god of fertility is that there were priestesses in the temple of Diana, and in order to go and engage in a sexual experience in the temple of Diana, people would get drunk and basically have orgies with the priestesses of the temple of Diana. And so sexual immorality and sexual playing around was rampant in the society that Paul was talking about as well. So it was counter the culture for Paul to say, now that you are children of God, There shouldn't even be a hint of sexual immorality among you. And in case that wasn't clear enough, you say, well, I'm not really sure what he means. I mean, does he mean this? Does he mean that? Then Paul adds to it, he says, or of any kind of impurity. Impurity has to do with anything. It's related to sexuality, but it could have to do with pornography. It could have to do with fantasizing. It could have to be with XX-rated movies. It could have to be with. Uh, it could have to do with uh, the latest uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. It could have to do with a lot of issues out there that have to do with sexuality out there. So, not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. And he says, or greed. You say, well, what does greed have to do with it? Well, greed is. It's the word covetousness. Covetousness means I desire something that doesn't belong to me, that I can't have, but I still want it even though it's not legitimate for me to have it. 
So you could be greedy towards money or towards things. You could see someone driving a car that's nicer than your car and say, man, why does he get to have that car? I want that car. I should have that car. And I'm kind of frustrated that he's got it and I don't. But it could also have to do with, um, it could have to do with sexuality. It could have to do with desiring another man's wife or desiring someone that's illegitimate for you to have, but you desire and covet something that is illegitimate for you to possess. And so basically what Paul says is, I know you live in a culture that is a sex-saturated culture. Let's be honest, that's the culture we live in. We live in that kind of society, and the fact that people, the fact that people uh, live together, the fact that people hook up together, the fact that people have multiple partners when they're in their 20s or 30s is pretty much just accepted by society. It's just the way it is. It's just kind of normal, right? Well, God says it may be normal for the world out there, but hey, you are the people of God. And it may be normal for society at large, but because you are children of God, it's not normal for you because you live by different standards. You reflect the standards of your heavenly father. Listen to what he says. He says, because these are improper for God's holy people. You're holy. Now I know some of you don't, Consider yourself holy. I taught you before, though, the Bible calls you a saint. Yeah, a saint. So, wow, I thought you had to, like, do a miracle and, like, live almost perfect to become a saint. Well, Scripture says if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a saint. Because the word saint means separated unto God. The word holy means separated unto God. God is separated unto you unto himself for a purpose, so therefore you're holy. And listen, sexual immorality and all that stuff may be all right in the world out there, but you're not part of the world. You're separated into God. You're a people with a call upon your life, so therefore your values are different than the values of the world. Now let me make this clear. Oftentimes we as Christians try to apply our Christian morality towards people that are not yet Christians. And that is absolutely a wrong way of doing it. He's not talking to non-believers here. He's talking to believers. You're listening to Mark Job here on Bold Steps, and we've reached the midpoint of our message. It's titled, Choosing to Walk in the Light. And keep in mind that if you ever miss one of these messages on the radio, you can always catch up online at boldstepsradio.org. Yeah, and here at Bold Steps, we love hearing from our listeners. And so I want to encourage you to go to our website. You can leave comments, testimonies, or even questions. Some of those questions we try to answer over the air. We can't necessarily answer all of them, but we try to address many of them over the air. And so please go to our website. We love to interact with you. I love to hear testimonies of how God has used this program to minister to you at the right moment, at the right time. So many great testimonies. So thank you for doing that. In fact, Mark, we have a question from a listener right here that I'd like you to hear. My name is Norman. I'm from Pennsylvania, and I listen to you every day on my way to work. Thank you so much for sharing God's Word. But I need some help and advice. 
One day my dad and I were on the way to his cousin's funeral. Do you believe in God, he said. No, I don't believe in that stuff. It kind of hurt me that he doesn't. I want him to believe in God. I don't want him left behind or miss out on eternal life in heaven. I don't know how to talk to him about it or what to say. I feel if I don't try, God will be displeased with me. Also, with my two daughters who do believe in God, but don't show any interest in taking steps to grow, I've been trying to get them to go to church, but they tell me you don't have to go to church to believe in Jesus. I don't want to force them. I want it to come from their heart. How can I be a better influence to my dad and also my kids? Hey, Norman, let me say, first of all, I hear your heart. And I hear a heart of someone that really cares. So let me just acknowledge that, first of all. The fact that you are concerned about where your father's at spiritually and the fact that you want to see your daughters grow, to me, is a great sign already. I have a couple of comments about your question. Number one, Norman, you cannot be responsible for people's decision about God. You can lead them. You can talk to them, you can share with them, but ultimately they are responsible for their own walk with God. I would say this about your relationship with your father. I have heard so many stories of people that were diehard, adamant, not interested, but a window of opportunity opens. It may be illness, it may be a crisis, and suddenly they're open. I was just at a funeral this past week where... Uh, a son was sharing, and I spoke at the funeral, and he, his father was 93 years old when he passed away. And he had been sharing with his hard father for a long time, and finally, in a moment of crisis, his father was open. And he received the Lord a couple of years before he passed away, but there was decades and decades of hardness against God. So I want to encourage you, Norman, continue to, to, to sow seeds, not too much, don't overwhelm, but just seeds of the gospel into your father. And with your daughters, I want to challenge you with them as well. I think that uh, I would, uh, if they don't want to go to church, if they don't want to necessarily be involved, it may be a lot of reasons they don't, but they may be open to a youth group or a Bible study with someone their age at their house. So I would find creative ways to get them involved, maybe beyond church. Maybe they're not ready to go to church, but they would be open to a discipleship or a youth group or people their age that they can connect with. And as a father, I would encourage you to be creative in trying to connect them to people that love Jesus that are around their age. I will say that you as a father, though, have more influence in your daughter's life than what you think. So continue to pray for them and continue to encourage them to live and walk in God. God bless you, Norman. Very good. I appreciate that answer, Mark. Thank you. Now, if you're listening today and you'd like to help more listeners like Norman, one way of doing that is by joining us as a bold partner and becoming part of the team by supporting this ministry with a monthly gift of any amount. And if you choose to give a gift of $30 or more each month, you'll qualify for a 50% discount on all Moody Publishers resources. And that includes children's books, devotionals, Bible commentaries, and more available at moodypublishers.org. Also, you'll receive a signed copy of Mark's book, Unstuck, Out of Your Cave and Into Your Call, 
along with an exclusive bi-weekly email from Mark containing inspiring lessons and videos. We call it the Bold Partner Post. So sign up today to become a Bold Partner by visiting boldstepsradio.org. All right, now let's get back into the second half of Mark Job's message. He'll be reminding us why we shouldn't expect someone who doesn't know Jesus yet to act or live like they do. Let me tell you what I don't do. If I'm at a soccer match with my boys, or playing soccer, running to some neighbors, and I find out that they are living together and not married, I don't go, (gasps) hold on a second, you're living together? (gasps) No, I don't do that. I don't say, now you shouldn't be living together, you know that, right? Because that is totally, totally wrong. And I know because I'm a pastor. I don't say that. I don't, I don't say, where's the ring? I don't say, what's your mother think about that? I don't say anything about their lifestyle. You know why? I don't expect a non-Christian to live like a Christian. I don't expect someone that doesn't have the Spirit of God inside of them to behave and act like someone that has the Spirit of God inside of them. If someone's a pagan, they're a pagan. I expect them to behave like a pagan, act like a pagan, walk like a pagan, talk like a pagan, and, and, and behave like what they have inside. If they don't have the Spirit of God, some of us try to make our non-believer friends try to live like believers when they're not. I don't say, well, you know, you shouldn't talk that way, or you shouldn't swear like that. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't indict their language. I don't enlighten their, li- their lifestyle. You know what my goal is? When I talk to them, I think to myself, they need to know Jesus. And my goal is, if we get to talk about spiritual things, my goal is to introduce them to Jesus. I want them to know Jesus. I want them to experience the life of God. I want them to know that there is another way, that there is someone that can fill their life and take away their void, that there's someone that can adopt them and wash their past and give them a new identity and a new future and the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them. That's what I want them to know. That's what I want them to be. And once they are believers, now, now that they're believers, I want to challenge them to live like believers. Do you know how many young men I have put my arm around in this church after they became believers and were living with their girlfriend, and I put my arm around and say, bro, bless you, man. Glad you're living for Jesus now. Now, when are you going to marry her? I don't do that before they're, they're, they're believers. Why? I don't expect them to live like believers. But once they're children of God, once they are believers in walking in God, then I'm going to say, hey, it's time. And normally when they're new believers, they say, well, yeah, we've been thinking about it for a while. It's just, you know, we haven't gotten around to it. We want to save up money for a ring. And, you know, it's taking us a while. We got to want to get the apartment together. You know, we're just kind of working on that and so forth. I say, great. All right. Well, until you get married, you know, here's the thing. The Bible says that sex is out. Usually it's in, okay, pastor, when can we do this like as fast as possible? 
You see, when you become a believer, then I want you to live like a believer, walk like a believer, talk like a believer. But, unless, but if you're not a believer, you know, I don't expect you to live that way. This passage is talking to people of God. He's saying, hey, now that you are people of God, this is the expectation that we have for your lifestyle because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Verse 4. Now, if you think that some of you are saying, hey, I'm off the hook then, Pastor, because I would never cross lines. I would never touch another woman. I would never do that. I would never cross lines. I, I like to sort of joke around and talk about it, tell a few dirty jokes here and there. But you know what? I, 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 you know, there's no harm in that. But you know what? I wouldn't cross any lines. Okay, let me talk to you then. Verse 4, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, this is all talking about sexually charged, uh, uh, joking, innuendos. Uh, this is talking about the sexual bantering that goes on around the water cooler at work. And, you know, hey, what about this? And how was this? And, you know, the, 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 the talk that is sexually charged and you know it, the bantering, the flirtation that goes back and forth that you view to be harmless but really is inappropriate for you as a child of God. It goes down to the locker room talk where guys are bragging about what they did on the weekend and how it went and how long it went and how they enjoyed it and you should have seen them and they're not going to mention any names, but man, they go on. All that stuff. It goes to the, to the gestures and to the words that we use that are charged with, with sexual crassness as, as we talk. It goes to the off-color jokes that we tell. And, hey, hey, listen to this one. Have you heard this one? Everybody gathers around and you're sort of looped into it and everybody laughs. So you don't want to seem like a little prune there. So you laugh too. And then you figure, I got to add my joke in there. So you add your joke in there. Listen, it goes to that, that all that talking because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And what God, what God is saying, if you are my children, if you belong to me, listen, first of all, there shouldn't be a hint of sexual morality, but secondly, your mouth should not be going down that road. Why? Because he says, this is out of place for you as people of God. Why? Because you're people of God. And if you want to do anything with your mouth, give thanks. Instead of this kind of stuff, he says, but rather thanksgiving. Why? You say it's so ingrained in our culture. Listen, some of you have lived in it so long. You've talked about it so much. It's been such a part of what you do that to actually stop using certain words that are crude and crass and actually stop saying certain jokes that it's just a real struggle for you to realize hey, that, that's inappropriate for me as a man of God to really be going down that road. Hello? I told you I'm going to step on some toes here. Why? Because you are men and women of God. And there shouldn't be even a hint of it among you, he says. And then he goes on, if you didn't think that was bad enough, notice what he says in the following verses. He speaks to our destiny, which is the second point that I'm making. I'm talking about what it means to imitate God and live as children of light. If you're taking notes, write this down. Destiny, you cannot live habitually, that means on a regular 
basis, as a habit-forming basis, you cannot live habitually inconsistent with who you are. Because ultimately, what you value will shape your life. Listen to what he says in verse 5. For of this you can be sure. He's almost like sounding a warning and saying, hey, you want to know how serious this is? Let me tell you how serious this is. Look at what he says. Look up at me. This is huge. No immoral person, that's someone that singles that are having sex with one another, someone that's having adultery on the side, someone that's consistently engaging in sexual behavior outside of marriage, no immoral person or impure Someone that's consistently in pornography, X-rated stuff, getting involved in that kind of stuff, part of your life, fantasy, so forth. Or greedy individuals, someone that's coveting that which is not their own and pursuing that which is not their own. No immoral, impure, or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let me tell you what he's saying and what he's not saying. You could read this at one glance Why is this so serious, first of all, let's say, he says, because such a man is an idolater. What's an idolater? You say, well, I thought an idolater was someone that worshiped idols. Exactly. Now, when we say an idolater, you have in your mind someone in Africa bowing to a totem pole and worshiping that totem pole as though it were God. That is idolatry. But do you realize that there's other idols that we bow to that don't have to do with an image or a pole or a statue, but that there's other idols that we make gods in our life and these gods run our life and dictate our life and have control over our life and sometimes it's the God of sexual addiction or sexual promiscuity where my life revolves around this uh, uh, sexual activity, and that runs my life. I can't say no to it. I fall into it over and over. I engage in it. And although I want to be a follower of Christ, I do not give up that or impurity, the same thing, or greed or covetousness. Listen, anything in your life that controls your life, anything in your life that's bigger than God in your life, has just become your new God. That's the Bible teaching of Mark Job, and we're in a series called When You Believe, Everything Changes. If you've missed any of the message so far, you can catch up online when you visit boldstepsradio.org. Mark, we have listeners all across the globe, and some of them are going through very hard times. But the Bible promises that God's plan is ultimately for our good so that no schemes of the enemy shall prevail. But how do we take that promise to heart even when our circumstances don't look so good? Yeah, and it's very difficult in the midst of our pain, our tragedy, our loss to see any good coming out of this. Recently, we had one of our professors, Samuel Naman, Dr. Samuel Naman, share of uh, many churches that were burned in Pakistan, where mm-hmm. he's from, and uh, people left homeless. And you look at that and you say, this is so tragic. Yet, over the course of history, we've always seen that God will even take things that seem tragic and weave good out of it for his honor and glory and change our character in the process. And so that's why I love Max Lucado's book, 
God will use this for good, surviving the mess of life, because he helps us understand that even if we're in a painful time, difficult season, a season of tragedy, that that God has not abandoned us, that God has not let us go, that God has a purpose and a plan in all of it, even if we do not see it. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Well, you can request this book by best-selling author Max Lucado, titled God Will Use This for Good, when you give a gift of any amount to support Bold Steps. Call us at 844-615-7363. I'll repeat that, 844-615-7363. Or give online and request Max's book when you go to boldstepsradio.org. You can also send your gift in the mail, along with that book request, to Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. That's 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And by the way, if you'd like some inspiration and encouragement on a weekly basis from Mark and the team, be sure to sign up for Mark's weekly email devotional. It's called the Bold Stepper Weekly, and we'd love for you to join with your fellow listeners who are starting the week off right with encouraging takeaways straight from Mark's heart and mind. So, Sign up today at boldstepsradio.org. And be sure to check out our sister program, Bold Steps Weekend, airing in your local station or available online at boldstepsweekend.org. I'm Wayne Shepard. On behalf of Mark Job and the entire team, have a wonderful weekend. Tune in Monday when Mark concludes this message on choosing to walk in the light. The message is from our series, When You Believe, Everything Changes, and you can hear it next Monday on Bold Steps with Mark Job. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.